Welcome to AudioPie's English Literature and Language Show. You can dip into huge chunks of over 19 series for free and learn on the go. Happy listening, everyone. Let's start out by admitting that not everyone loves Jane Austen as much as your English teachers. How about this for a bad review? Every time I read Pride and Prejudice, I want to dig her up and beat her over the skull with her own shinbone. Jane is entirely impossible. It seems a great pity that they allowed her to die a natural death. What on earth could so have annoyed Mark Twain, the great 19th century American writer? Well, Jane Austen is sometimes criticised for being too concerned with trivial, domestic topics. The writer Virginia Woolf said, She has too little of the rebel in her composition, too little discontent. To understand where these critics are coming from, and decide whether you agree with them, you need to know a little about the world she lived in. This is what teachers call the historical context. Jane Austen wrote Pride and Prejudice during the closing years of the 18th century. It was finally published in 1813. These were anxious, turbulent years in England. Britain was at war with France, and there were real fears of a French invasion led by Napoleon Bonaparte. At one point in 1803, a massive French army gathered at Calais, actually within sight of the English coast. The war lasted over 20 years, ending with Napoleon's defeat at Waterloo in 1815, and must have had a major impact on life in England. The country was on high alert. The army grew to a quarter of a million men, To defend against the feared invasion, thousands of men were enlisted into militia regiments stationed across the country. Jane Austen was well aware of all this. One of her brothers joined the Oxfordshire militia in 1793, and two served in the navy. Whether the sight of militia drills made the residents of the English countryside feel more secure, we don't know. What is certain is that the arrival of large numbers of young men needing food drink and entertainment would have had a major impact on small towns like Meryton. The dashing, red-coated officers turned the heads of girls like Kitty and Lydia Bennet, and indeed Mrs. Bennet, who thought Colonel Forster looked very becoming the other night at Sir William's in his regimentals. To the residents of a small country town, these young men must have seemed glamorous and exciting. Wickham comes to Meryton as a volunteer in the militia and is able to recreate his own story and to have it widely accepted. So why do you need to know all this? Well, please don't write long paragraphs in your literature exam about the life and times of Napoleon. If the examiner wanted to read that, they'd be marking history papers. But knowing this background will help you understand and explain how the characters react to the militia's presence in Meryton the reasons why Mary King is so promptly removed from Wickham's orbit, or perhaps how serious Mr. Bennett's neglect really is when he turns a blind eye to Lydia's obsession with the officers. For top marks, you need to show the ways characters reflect the times from which they came, but always keep it relevant to the question you've been asked. 
Another important aspect of context is the position of women in society around 1800. Gender roles were dictated by a much stricter set of rules and conventions than is the case today, especially among the better-off classes. One of the major themes of the novel is marriage, so you need to think about the factors affecting relationships between men and women at the time. In law, married women couldn't own property unless it had been specifically settled on them by a will or legal contract. Anything they owned on marriage became the property of their husband. They were regarded as completely under his guidance and couldn't make any legal decisions without his approval. You might wonder why intelligent women chose to marry under these conditions. Well, there were few alternatives. As a general rule, women only inherited property if there were no male heirs. A father had to be very wealthy to leave money to his daughters, like Mr Darcy's father, perhaps, who leaves Georgiana a large inheritance. When Mr Bennet dies, his male cousin Mr Collins is to inherit the family home. Mrs Bennet and her daughters have no legal claim at all, no wonder she's so anxious about her girl's future. Unmarried women had to depend on their male relatives for a home. If they were from the gentry, they could not work, except for a very few occupations, such as paid companion or governess to a wealthy family, which were insecure and lonely prospects. Among the gentry, a wife was meant to be a sort of domestic goddess. She would manage the servants, see that the household ran smoothly, and charm her husband and his acquaintance with her grace and accomplishments. Caroline Bingley and Darcy discussed the ideal woman, and the exchange gives us an idea of how he saw the role of a wife. A woman must have a thorough knowledge of music, singing, drawing, dancing, and the modern languages. And besides all this, she must possess a certain something in her air and manner of walking, the tone of her voice, her address and expressions. All this she must possess, added Darcy. And to all this she must yet add something more substantial, in the improvement of her mind by extensive reading. Darcy seems to be thinking more of a suitable mistress for Pemberley than of a partner whom he could love. You might notice that all these characteristics are external, superficial, describing a trophy wife rather than a real living personality. Elizabeth picks up on this and laughs at his unrealistic picture. I am no longer surprised at your knowing only six accomplished women. I rather wonder now at your knowing any. Of course, money was critically important. With no way of earning her own living, a young woman of the gentry needed a husband who could support her. However attracted she might be to Wickham, Elizabeth knows marriage is out of the question. He doesn't have enough money. This is reflected in all the relationships in the novel. Collins is quite certain Elizabeth cannot be serious in refusing his proposal because she has no money to tempt a wealthy man. Charlotte accepts him to escape dependency on her brothers in the future and is grateful for the financial security he offers her, even though she does not love or even like him. To understand the character's actions, we need to understand the vital role played by money in courtship and marriage. Finally, let's take a look at social class. 
For centuries, there had been a rigid class system in England. At the top, the aristocracy, the gentry, the middle classes, mainly clerks and merchants, skilled artisans, and then the working classes, mainly involved in agriculture. You married within your own class, and very rarely did anyone move out of the class into which they were born. This time-honoured structure was just beginning to be challenged, however. The Industrial Revolution had begun, and men of relatively humble beginnings were becoming enormously wealthy through the new factories, which used the technologies of steam and coal to produce goods on a scale never seen before. So, in Pride and Prejudice, we see a society becoming just a little less rigid. The aristocratic Darcy has a close friend Bingley whose fortune is not from ancient and aristocratic roots. They were of a respectable family in the north of England, a circumstance more deeply impressed on their memories than that their brother's fortune and their own had been acquired by trade. On the other hand, the extreme class snob Lady Catherine regards a marriage between Elizabeth and Darcy as disgraceful, calling Elizabeth a young woman without family, connections or fortune. This is very foreign to modern ways of thinking, but it's important to get your head around these attitudes to wealth and status to fully understand what's going on in the novel. We'll touch again on some of these aspects of context later as we look at the events of the novel in more detail. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to search for and listen to the next episode in the series to build your topic knowledge. Hit the Acast Plus link in the show description to become a premium supporter and unlock access to every episode in every series for as long as you need. We also make GCSE and A-level content for history, RE, sociology and psychology. Happy listening, everyone.